You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joel Brown. And today I am with Melissa Ambrosini. She's an author, speaker, coach, presenter, and an absolute ambassador for choosing love over fear in every moment. Melissa is also the author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, which is out in Australia and New Zealand right now, and it is dropping right now in the US. So Melissa, this is exciting times So you. Thank you for joining uh, us on the Addicted to Success podcast. Thanks for uh, sharing your time with us. You're so welcome. It's nice to chat to you. I'm honored. Oh, thank you. And, you know, I'm picking up on the accent here. <laughs> you're, a, you're an Australian girl, aren't you? You're an Aussie. <laughs> I am an Aussie. You are too, though, aren't you? I am. I am. I am. I am. Yeah. I don't think I've had an Australian Aussie. girl on the uh, podcast before. So you're the lucky first. Wow. I'm so excited. I feel honored. <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I'm ready to deep dive with this. You know, you, you talk about a lot of uh, amazing subjects. You cover a lot of amazing topics uh, in, you know, health and wellness and uh, spirituality, productivity, uh, limiting beliefs, how to crush them, right? Uh, so I'm just excited to get into all this with you. And I'm going to really kickstart this off with what does mastering your mean girl mean? So basically, let me tell you what your mean girl is first and then I'll tell you about mastering it. So basically, your mean girl or your bad boy for the guys (laughs) is that fear-based egoic voice inside your head. Now, some people call this your ego. Some people call this your inner critic, your smaller self. Jesus, Elvis, Buddha, I don't care what you call it. Like really it doesn't matter. But for me, um, the word mean girl really resonates and it resonates for a lot of women because that voice inside our head, that egoic fear-based voice says mean things. She says you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not successful enough, pretty enough, skinny enough buff enough, you know, whatever it is. And that fear-based voice is what holds us back from living our truth and staying on our true path. So mastering your mean girl is all about mastering that egoic fear-based voice inside your head so that you can live the life that you truly want to live. One that's, you know, wildly wealthy, fabulously healthy and bursting with love. And every single person has an ego, everyone even the Dalai Lama, the difference is, is his is in the back seat of the car, you know, on mute, where a lot of us, our mean girl or bad boy is on volume 10 with a very heavy bass and is sitting on our lap trying to drive our car. So we want to get her in the back seat or him, get him in the back seat and put them on mute and they're going to pop up and that's the thing, you know, I'm not enlightened. Um, If I was enlightened, I would have left this physical body by now. Um, So I continue to master my mean girl every single day. 
And the tools that I give in the book really help you do that because I believe we didn't come here to suffer. I believe we came here to, you know, live big lives and your ego is stopping you from doing that. Your ego is keeping you stuck small in fear town and that is not your truth. That is not your birthright. And I teach women how to really unleash their authenticity and live the life that they truly desire. Uh, you're doing wonderful things in the world. You know, I believe big time that it starts with your beliefs. It's your mindset. And if you've got this thing in the back of your mind, this little nagging, uh, somebody used this before, it was uh, ants, annoying negative thoughts, right? In the back of your mind. Yours is the mean girl, the <laughs> mean boy. I love that. I love that. And so the analogies yeah. that you're using is uh, is really helping us, I think, as listeners and myself too, to really get an idea of like how the ego and everything operates. Now, what would you say? I know. I mean, I know we all have different limiting beliefs and we uh, should approach self-transformation in, in a number of different ways based off, you know, our environment and our experiences and, and things like that. But what do you feel is the most common uh, limiting belief or mean girl or mean boy that's sitting there for a lot of people? What keeps popping up for you? There's a couple of really dominant ones, but I think across the board for the men and women, it's I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. It's it's usually the I'm not something enough and it's usually I'm not good enough. And that is what I see across the board with the women and the people that I work with. But there's, I feel like there's three main areas where it's quite dominant and that is with your health. So I will never feel healthy. I will never heal. I will never get better. I will never heal from chronic fatigue. I will never lose weight. I'll never be vibrant. My skin is always ugly. I'm always going to have pimples. I'm too fat. I'm not good enough. So there's the health ones. Then there's wealth, which is around finances and career. You know, I'm never going to get out of debt. Um, I'm never going to be financially abundant. Financial freedom doesn't happen to someone like me. And then I'm not smart enough to start my own business, all of those ones. And then around love and relationships. So I'll never meet my soulmate. Um, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough, etc. So they're the main three areas. But essentially, the most dominant one is I'm not good enough. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Because we're told that quite a lot growing up, right? With the education system, yeah. like at school, getting bullied. A lot of people go through the whole being bullied at some point or picked on in some way. And yeah. how would you tackle that? Like, what are your steps? What are the practical steps that you take to help somebody break through that uh, I'm not good enough or that, you know, that mean girl that's hanging around uh, saying all these negative things? So I have a three-step mastering your ego process and I want to share that with the listeners right now because you can literally apply it to your life right this moment and the first step is um, after you've read my book of course <laughs> so the first step is awareness you have to become aware of what your ego is actually saying so write it down what is your ego saying you will never get out of debt. I will never get out of debt. My ego is currently saying to me, I will never get out of debt. Or my ego is telling me that 
I will never be financially free or my ego is telling me that I will never meet the man of my dreams and I will be lonely catwoman for the rest of my life. <laughs> so we've got to get, and there's nothing wrong with catwomen. <laughs> um, we've, we've got to get really clear on what it is that our ego is saying to us. So we write those down because once you are aware of something, it's no longer dark. You've shone light on it. You've turned lights on in the dark room, right? So you can now see and you can't unknow what you already know unless you have one of those men in black zapper guns that erases your memory or you fall over and hit your head and you have a severe head injury. You can't unknow what you already know. So we, once we are aware, we've shone light on it. Awareness is the first step. The second step is gently closing the door on your ego. So it's not about slamming the door in the ego's face or killing or smashing the ego, which some spiritual texts talk about. It's about becoming best friends with her. It's about using her as a compass to get back on your true path because fear, your ego, is designed to pull you out of your truth and into fear town, but you can use it as a guide to come back to your true path. So that's how I use it. And it's like one of those annoying salesperson people, <laughs> sorry, that um, that come knocking on your door. You don't invite them in to, you know, sleep over and, you know, they, they're messy and they stink and they leave their smelly socks everywhere. You say thank you, but no thank you. And that's the same as when that fear thought pops in that you'll never meet your soulmate and you'll be the lonely cat woman for the rest of your life. When that pops up, instead of inviting that thought in, we're going to gently close the door on it. And then the third step is choosing love instead. Choosing something. Let's reframe it. Well, is that actually true? Like, do I have hardcore printed evidence, documented evidence that I am going to be a lonely cat woman for the rest of my life? The answer is no. Um, do I have evidence that I will never heal from X, Y, and Z? Well, the answer is no. Do I have hardcore evidence that I will never, because never is a very strong word, that I will never get out of debt? And the answer is usually no. So when you take yourself through that three-step process, you land back in your heart and in love. So you do awareness, you gently close the door, and then you choose love instead. It's a very simple three-step process, but it's not easy, especially if you've had 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years of programming that we need to rewire. This is really interesting. And thanks for sharing this. I, I love it. I love the practical steps and they are straightforward. And so what would you say is the biggest thing for people? Like they've heard this advice, right? And a lot of us have heard advice before, but how do we actually solidify it? What are the next steps? We've just got to put it in practice. We just have to practice. It's like going to the gym. It's a muscle that needs to be practiced and flexed every single day because knowing it isn't enough, like logically understanding it isn't enough, which is why... I've created um, a, the Mastering Your Mango 10-week activation program. It's to help complement the book so that you can really implement everything that you've learned because reading it isn't enough. Logically understanding it isn't enough. You've got to put it into practice. And like you go to the gym to do your squats to get a tight booty, 
Like you can't just expect to do that once every fortnight and expect a tight booty. Like you've got to do it every day. You've got to look after yourself. You've got to eat well. It's the same as, you know, mastering your ego. Like you have to do it daily. You know, we have between 60, women have between 60 and 80,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot of mean girl chatter going on upstairs in between their ears, right? So you may have to master your mango with that three-step process 60 to 80,000 times a day. And men have 40,000 thoughts and they may they may have you know 40,000 or 30,000 of them are egoic thoughts and they they have to go through that process of mastering their ego and they may have to do it 30,000 times. The thing is, is we've got to practice it. You know, it's not going to be handed to us on a silver platter. We've got to put in the work. We've got to do our squats. We've got to take our, you know, selves to the gym and flex that muscle. So there is no quick fix. You know, you've got, there is no pill. There's no potion. Doing this simple three-step process is the first place to start after you've read my book. Reading my book is the first place. The second step is going through this three-step process every time your ego comes up and tries to plant this seed of doubt. Yes, yes. Melissa, I have your book and I can tell the audience it's not just for girls. It's for boys too. Exactly. It's for men. It's for growing men. It <laughs> it's for everybody. It is. It absolutely <laughs> is. So read it, and I've had I've had men, uh, men read it and love it and it's transformed their lives. You know, they picked it up on their partner's bedside table and every, you just change the words. Like, I'm, you know, you just change it from girl to boy, whatever, or man, whatever you want to say. Yeah. But the yeah, concepts and the ideas are, the, are universal. Mm, lovely, lovely. So, Melissa, what fascinates you about the field that you're in? What, is, what fascinates you most? about where you're playing right now? Um, I love the interaction between human beings. I love watching the evolution of a consciousness. I love witnessing people bust through limiting fear-based beliefs that they've held on to for 30, 40, 50 years. Like I just think yes. humans are so fascinating. Mm. I think we're crazy and so beautiful but so incredibly fascinating. Like I just love reading about the psychology of the human and, you know, understanding different relationships and different levels of consciousness. Like I find it so fascinating. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And that's why you're good at what you do because you're fascinated by it. And you are like uh, passionate. I can tell you're passionate about changing lives. And so that's why you do it mm. so well. So congratulations on that. That's awesome. So Thank you. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So you hold a lot of events and I know you do quite a lot actually over on the East Coast of Australia. Have you ever had a standout moment in an event with somebody in the room? Just something where it even blew you away where it's like this big aha moment because I feel like we learn from the people that we coach too. It's not just us telling them everything. Oh my goodness. I learn every moment. Like I... Every goddess group I hold, which is a live event I, I do every second Tuesday here in Australia, any event that I do, I learn something. Don't you worry about that because, you know, 
I'm still a student and I'll be a student for the rest of my life. So I learn loads. But the first thing that just popped to my mind, one of the standout moments, I've had a lot of private standout moments where people have come to me. When I used to do a lot of one-on-one coaching, I don't do any one-on-one coaching anymore. But when I did, I had so many amazing, holy moly, you know, experiences with with people. Um, and it's a little bit harder to get that in a bigger event situation because so many people's mean girls or bad boys are very loud and they 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 kind of sit back and shrink in, in their chair and they don't really want to share or I have to really warm them up and get them comfortable first. But the first one that came and their mean girls telling them to not put their hand up and ask a question because it's stupid and things like that. <laughs> but um, yeah. one thing is I took them, I took recently actually, in one of my goddess groups, which is only for 40 women and I cap it at 40 women because it's a sacred space that we come to every second Tuesday and we start with a meditation and then there's a beautiful topic that we'll explore for the evening and it's a beautiful sacred space for women to come and be held and feel heard and move through some stuff. And it's, you know, my favorite night of the week. I absolutely love it. And you can actually watch all of the goddess groups online. I've got them on the goddess group on demand. So that's like a subscription, a monthly subscription that's very um, affordable that you can get if that's something that inspires you. Um, But Recently in one of my goddess groups, I was we were talking about relationships and the role of the masculine and the feminine and I, we were doing my three-step Mastering Your Mean Girl process and this one lady, um, I took them through this process. They had to visualize someone that they were most triggered by in their life, so the most triggered by a person. And I got them to see the other side so it wasn't about condoning what that other person had done it wasn't about any story who was right who was wrong I just got them to literally for a few seconds step into that person's shoes and into that person's world and I said okay so everyone close their eyes and we did this exercise and I said raise your hand if you can see the other person's side and you no longer feel triggered by this person and you feel like bliss and just love. And every single person put their hand up except one woman. And they put their hand up very quickly and I was like, great, this is awesome. And all of those people who were triggered by that person they resent most were no longer triggered. So it was really cool to witness that. But this one woman, I said, all right, you were the only person who didn't put your hand up. Let's let's dive deeper into this. And she's like, it's my abusive very toxic ex-husband and she told me you know she told us the whole story and what he's he'd done to her and she just said I just I can not get into his like I'm just too angry there's too much story there's too much dialogue in my head and we got her to feel and we got her to do a visualization meditation where she visualized her husband as a six-year-old And she was standing in front of him and I took her through this beautiful healing meditation, visualization meditation. And she finally got to the place where she felt nothing but love toward him 
and for him. And it was so beautiful to witness. She was streaming, you know, crying and crying because she had been holding on to that resentment and anger for 30 years. Wow. And to finally have that lift, her whole face changed shape. You know, it was literally like 30 kilos had just fallen off her shoulders and she walked out of that room a completely different person. That's amazing. Just that feeling of being able to be there to guide somebody to then see a a breakthrough, a transformation happening before your eyes and then just seeing how like once they leave that room, their life is going to be changed forever. Isn't it amazing you're able to do that? And so many people don't know that they can actually be in that position to help people in that way. It's just that you're doing it. You're taking the action. Yeah, because why not? Why not? That's a great question. Why not? (laughs) So, Melissa, there's a lot of talk nowadays about... uh, Actually, before I ask you this question, why why would you go back to being a six-year-old? Why would you get her to visualize to go back to that guy being a six-year-old? Well, because... Because... Ultimately, that beautiful six-year-old is still within us. You know, that is our true essence. So what it does is it helps her feel his true essence. And when she looks at him as a 40-year-old, she, all she, she's so blindsided by the story of you're an ass you've done this, this, and this to me, she, we couldn't, she couldn't get there because there was too much anger and too much internal dialogue. So by getting her to feel his essence as a six-year-old allowed her to soften and to step into his shoes for a moment. And basically what that exercise does is just allows, allows you to feel that person's true essence. Mm, to come from a place of compassion. When you come from the heart, which is what I, look, I I introduce you as somebody that chooses love over fear in every moment. And so you're teaching this lady to choose love over fear. And the love is going back and being a compassionate person by looking at this guy as when he was six, before all the programming BS and everything else that happens in life along the way. That's beautiful. Yeah, and it's not even... It's not even about compassion because compassion is a judgment. It's about just softening and opening your eyes and understanding that everyone is always doing the very best they can given the knowledge and understanding that they currently have. And it's not about judging the other person still. Like compassion is still a judgment. It's about understanding that they're just on a different operating system and everyone is on a different operating system. You know, I'm on ios blue and you're on ios green and neither are right or wrong they're just different operating systems and by doing this spiritual work whatever you want to call it you are constantly upgrading your operating system listening to podcasts reading attending seminars you know doing the work mastering your ego doing the work every single day meditating yoga whatever it is for you that is upgrading your operating system and i feel deeply committed to operating my own personal one every single day because um you know if you don't you it's going to die if you don't upgrade your mac or your iphone it will eventually die yeah yeah so 
it's it's about understanding, you know, what we got her to do in that moment was to just literally step into his shoes for a moment to see and feel and then step out of them. And she did it and she did it so beautifully. Mm. I love that you use the example of uh, an operating system. You know, I was having a conversation with my, one of my friends a couple of nights back and we we're talking about how putting new things into your mind, uh, new ideas and new concepts is like installing a new app. And I was like, wait a minute, how about this? Pull your phone out right now. Cause like, you know, most people are living on their phones nowadays, whether they like it or not. And I was like, pull out your mm-hmm. phone. Let's have a look at the apps you have. So we're flicking through the apps and I was like, dude, your day is revolved around a lot of these apps. He's got like Kindle with self-development books, which is great. He's got Tinder because he's a single guy and he wants a girl. <laughs> he's got like, you know, chat, WhatsApp because he's, he's all into networking. And so it's interesting to, to kind of look at it like that. It's like, what, do you, what apps do you have on your phone right now? But also what apps do you have going on inside your brain? Like what, what thoughts are you thinking and, and what are you involving uh, most of your time in throughout the day? So I love that whole operating system uh, concept. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah. So, Melissa, there's a lot of talk nowadays, especially with the the millennials, right? The younger generation about being authentic. So, mm. what do you, what do you, why do you think a lot of people aren't authentic? What is it that makes them inauthentic? And why don't they choose to be ego. authentic? Yeah, I guess their ego is is saying things like you say stupid things or you're not good enough. No one's going to like you. So we mold ourselves into this fake version of ourselves that we think will be accepted and liked and approved of. And I did it for so many years. Like I used to be in the performing arts before I hit rock bottom in 2010, which I share this story in my book. And that's when my whole life changed. Um, But, you know, we walk around especially in our teens and our 20s we walk around like as these fake inauthentic versions of ourselves in the hopes to be liked and approved and accepted by others and what that does is it squashes our truth and it squashes our light um but i think with social media and how accessible everyone is now you can smell inauthenticity a mile away. Like it stinks really bad and you can feel it. And the more you become, the more you master your ego, the more confident you become in your own skin and you no longer care what anyone else thinks. Because at the end of the day, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. And you cannot try and convince anyone to like you or accept you or love you. So the only thing that you can do is be the best version of yourself and be the most authentic version of you. That is it. And if you do that, you will live a very fulfilling life. Mm, I I believe that. I 100% agree. Do you feel like we need to love ourselves first before we can even get to that next stage that you're talking about right now? Oh my goodness. Self-love is the first place we need to start. That is Mm. ultimately the foundation of everything because if you don't if you're not radiating self-love and this is different to being selfish 
if you're not overflowing and bursting with love within yourself, you are going to attract people into your life that are also not overflowing and bursting with love within themselves. And in a romantic relationship, that is one big fat disaster. Yeah. Yeah, because they're going to look at the other partner uh, as somebody that's supposed to fill them up. And their glass is always half full. It's never full. And the other person is going to have to keep filling and overflowing that cup and it's just never enough. And that's a bad place to be. Oh, it's just, it's hard. It's, it's hard place. It's not fun because you're filling a void in them and they're filling a void in you. And that is, it's just, it doesn't have to be such a struggle. Like, believe it or not, we didn't come here to struggle. We didn't come here to suffer. And God forbid, you know, some people forget that. Like, they really forget that. Whatever you believe in, God, Jesus, Buddha, Allah, whatever, didn't put you here on this earth to suffer. You're here to evolve your human consciousness. You're here to grow. You're here to play and have fun and experience life to its absolute fullest. Like we have been given the ultimate playground to play in. Like look around at where we are on this earth. Like most of us are in beautiful countries, you know, especially like look where I am in here in Australia. Like it's incredible. The weather is beautiful. Like look at where you live. You didn't come here to suffer. You've been given the most beautiful playground to explore. And, you know, we've all met people who play the victim very, very well, um, like Academy Award winning well, and they believe that life is against them. They believe that they've been hard done by and that, you know, they have to struggle and play the victim. And, you know, I look at them and I just think, oh, I can see without judgment, I'm not doing this with judgment, but I can see that you have so much potential and I'm like, like maybe they will never wake up to it and that's okay. But I just love witnessing people when they finally do. It's so cool to watch. Yeah, it's amazing, right? It's, it's truly amazing. Melissa, what, do you have a few ways that you could share with us that we can actually start practicing self-love? Are there any practical steps? Yeah, absolutely. I talk, I have tools and techniques all throughout my book and all over my blog and everything and all on my social media. But one of the best things that you can do is create a self-love menu. So this is where you write down 10 things that light you up. And everyone, if you're not driving, you could do this right now. Like literally just pull out a pen and paper and write down 10 things that really light you up. Like for me, it's diving in the ocean. It's um, hearing my stepson laugh. It's cooking. It's watching a sunrise, watching a sunset, doing yoga, meditating, having a cup of tea on the balcony with one of my best friends in the sunshine and feeling the sun on my skin. You know, it's um, getting into bed or getting into a bath with a good book a coconut oil bath, you know? So there's like 10 things straight away that I could think of that really light me up. Um, And then the goal is to do one, at least one 
of those things on your self-love menu every single day. So write it up. I have a free self-love menu that you can download from my website too that's really beautiful and you can print this out and you can stick it on your fridge. So instead of um, when you feel you know, lonely or sad, instead of going to the fridge and filling up from the outside in with ice cream, which is what ice cream does, you fill yourself up from the inside out. And that's what your self-love menu does. So the aim of the game is to do at least one. You get mega bonus points if you do one or more or all of them every day. And there's like, there's some on mine that I do every single day. Like I meditate every day. I do yoga every day. Um, I cook every day. There's a couple on my list that I do every single day. And that's because they get me to that place where I feel bursting with love. And then when I am overflowing with love, I can give to other people. I can give to my husband, to my son, to my community. But if I'm half full there's no, I can't give. I cannot give. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm cranky. It's like a car. How do you expect a car to go if you don't put petrol in it? Like, are you crazy? Like, it's not going to go. So we've got to put in the right petrol and we've got to it fill up. It's that input and output. What you put in, you will get back out. So that's how you can fill yourself up and flex your self-love muscle. But I'd love to hear, what are some things that you would put on your self-love menu? Me personally? Yeah, you. Oh, great question. You know, I actually have a, a little morning ritual that I do every day without fail. It's called the 20-20-20. And I actually learned this from okay. Robin Sharma at one of his events. And yeah, I love him. His books are amazing. He, yeah, and he's amazing. Uh, he's an amazing individual. I love how creative he is, and he really uh, goes deep with the knowledge and and finds ways to explain it in a simplified way to people, so they can really feel the impact and and take it on board and and make a difference. So, yeah, he's an awesome guy, and um, yeah, he he taught me the twenty twenty twenty, which is essentially waking up in the morning, doing twenty minutes of exercise, whether it's like push ups skipping uh, dips star jumps whatever it is right just to really get the blood flowing and what's important about that as well is that it actually activates your prefrontal cortex which is the executive part of our brain we analyze and we become you know this is the part we access to be more creative and uh, it's just a great place to really uh you know a- activate within your mind to be able to actually uh, have an impact throughout your day and so i do that and then i move into 20 minutes of self-development whether that's reading a book, whether it's listening to an audio book, uh, whether it's watching a YouTube video, uh, or whether it's just me sitting down and going through like my goals and reflecting on my own self. And then I do 20 minutes of meditation. And so I used to do TM, which is transcendental meditation, but I've kind of slipped out mm, of that. I'm I not do. doing so much the uh, the going over, uh, you know, the um, uh, mantra, right? So what I do now is I actually sit and this is funny, actually. I love the movie Gladiator. I don't know if you've seen that movie. It's like a classic movie. And there's this uh, theme song that plays. It's like the main song. And I really love it. It puts me into an awesome state. And so what I did was I got that theme song and I looped it. It's like 20 minutes of loop. And I sit there and I close my eyes and I have that playing softly in the background, right? Gets me in a state. And I sit and I, I, I pick something that I've just learned from like reading a book or listening to an audio or watching a YouTube video or just going over my own goals. I, I pick something and I pick it and I go, 
close my eyes and I really question myself, how can I relate to this very thing that I just learned? This one powerful idea, how can I apply it to my life? How does it tie into something that I've done? And, and let's go deep within my own mind to really expand on it. And so I do that every day. And it's the most powerful thing that I can do for myself because I start my day off with no distractions. I don't answer emails. I don't look at Facebook or anything like that, right? Because when you do, you are reacting to everybody else's priorities, not your own. And so when you do that, it's not self-care. It's not self-love. It's putting everybody else's priorities first. And usually those priorities, they're not as really that important. Like if you think about it, if you woke up an hour later, it's not really going to make much of a, um, it's it's not going to throw you out. You know, it's not really going to throw you out because you would have woken up an hour later anyway. Right. So I always push myself to wake up an hour earlier and get that in. And it just absolutely sets the tone for the day. And I feel like that's how I really, I really get, you know, myself love. And I really watch myself talk too. Make sure I'm not like going over the whole, I'm not good enough or failure and mistakes are bad. And I really got myself to a place where I program myself to think like when I come up with an idea for a business or anything, I don't even think of the failure. I'm just like, I think of the growth, like, oh, I'm going to grow so much from this. And also think about the success, what could happen? So I'm like super optimistic. Mm-hmm. I used to be pessimistic. I used to be like a realist big time. I'm like, oh, if I did this, yeah. I did that. And you talk yourself out of it. And so that's how yeah. I practice my self-love. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Wow. I- that no I love that thank you I love that so much in the 2020 I love that um for me the first thing I do when I get up is either 20 minutes of yoga or meditation or the other way around it just depends on whether we have my son or um not whether I can meditate first or whether I move first but I always do 20 minutes of meditation and 20 minutes movement um but then you know some i i like the idea of doing 20 minutes of personal development like reading or something like that because um it really does set you up i find that after i've done that i go into reactive mode if i go and check emails and things like that and uh it sets me up to be in reactive mode for the rest of the day and I just feel overwhelmed and stressed. But when I take more time for myself in the morning to maybe, you know, go for a walk and things like that, like add extra time, not just those 40 minutes, like maybe take a little bit more time, I find I'm so much more less reactive. Mm, yes. And yes. I used to have this thing. I used to have this thing on my computer where it was called pause inbox where you can pause your inbox so you only you can I used to do email chunks where I only checked emails um, for an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon and that was it and it was so productive and so amazing but I am in the middle of a launch for my book so I'm not doing that at the moment and I have you know, podcasts like this and interviews left, right and center. And I'm dealing with so many different time zones. And so I have to wake up. And um, when we wake up here in Australia, I've only got a few hours to catch the US people. So um, I've really got, I'm in launch mode at the moment. So when all of that, you know, subsides, I am looking forward to getting back into my pause inbox and my delegated time of email inbox time. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. Uh, they've got to find a way to pause Facebook too because I think that's really distracting. Like just like they disconnect your timeline or something like that. You just can't look at your newsfeed. 
Well, I've taken all social media off my phone. Um, so I only have Instagram on my phone. I don't have Facebook and I don't have Twitter on my phone. I only have Instagram um, and I don't have email on my phone anymore as well. So it forces me to be fully present when I'm emailing in front of my laptop. And um, I only check Twitter and Facebook once a day now, which is it forces me to kind of go in and be laser focused and respond to all the comments and read all the comments, which I do. I still read every single comment and respond to every single comment. But I focus, I really focus when I do it and I do laser chunk times of it. Yeah, that's so important. You know, I remember seeing a study where this group did some research and they they deep dive into the study of uh, people that were getting distracted right they were going to and from apps and they were jumping on the you know the facebook and they were then getting back to work and doing you know all sorts of things and then they had people that were doing what you're saying chunking right and the people mm-hmm. that were di- getting distracted even though it looked like they were doing a hell of a lot more throughout their day because they were there just going back and forth on things and they're all over the place it actually tired their brain out more like their brain was getting exhausted so therefore they were less yeah. effective at what they were doing and so like that yeah. study in itself was just like it blew my mind i was just like wow so like, now i'm very focused on what i need to do one thing at a time just chunk 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 and it's changed my life there's so much more clarity yes. in my mind as well to think about the most important things too yeah absolutely yeah yeah melissa this has been an amazing talk i just want to go uh real quick into who is melissa ambrosini I want to kind of get to know you on, a, on more of a personal level so the audience can too. Uh, so what music do you have in your playlist right now on your iPhone? Easy. My husband's music. He His name's Broadhurst, B-R-O-A-D-H-U-R-S-T. And his music is just beyond. He's just launched his single, Little Lover, which is so beautiful. Um, I'm sure you could put the link maybe in the show notes or something like that. Definitely. But that is definitely on my in my playlist and I love Coldplay. Um, this other amazing artist called Sean, I, S-H-O-N, is, is really amazing too. All right, awesome. Yeah, well, I'll definitely put that in the show notes. I remember seeing the video for Little Lover. It was amazing. Your, yeah, your husband is so- a very talented individual. So, yeah, I'll definitely share that. Thank, Thank you. you. Excellent. So, Melissa, what could you share with us about yourself that we don't or wouldn't know about you that you don't usually put out there, but you know there's something that you could probably share with the audience so they could get to know you a little more? Gosh, I feel like I'm pretty transparent on my social media, on my website, in everything I do. I feel like I'm very transparent. Um, But there's often this misconception that um, this just popped to my head that I'm a vegan. I don't know why that just popped to my head, but like everyone (laughs) thinks I'm like vegan, like I'm this raw hippie vegan. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like people, like people come up to me and they are disgusted that I eat organic grass-fed and grass-finished animal protein from a trusted, reliable source. And they just think that I'm the devil. Um, so I think that is very interesting. I don't know where that came from, but that's something that, uh, yeah, 
never assume go. never assume <laughs> that's funny actually i'm, I'm yeah. at the same level as you so i'm vegetarian i've been vegetarian ever since i was five years old so 23 years i've been vegetarian uh-huh. and um i'm close to vegan like i have eggs and i have cheese now and then i might have some you know have like a, a little splurge on maybe an ice cream here and there but that's about it you know so i'm getting close yep. to it and i do i do uh, practice, um, you know, reading the labels and making sure that, it, you know, if it if it's grass-fed cows and so on, I mean, it, you know, that makes a difference. Every little bit makes a difference. Like, it all starts with us if you want to impact the world. And I just kind of feel like, well, I mean, I know there's some bad things that go on in the dairy industry and all that as well, and that's why a lot of people go vegan. But I'm at a level where it's like, well, I'm yes. happy that I'm at least vegetarian, right? Uh, because, you yeah, know, I just think yeah. about the animals that have been saved because I am not consuming meat oh my gosh yes and if you do like you've got to make sure it is the best quality like i said grass-fed grass-finished organic from a trusted reliable source where you know like we know where ours comes from like we have been to the farms we know that what goes on so it's just really important you know we all have a choice everything in life every moment is a choice where we can choose you know what is aligned to our values and beliefs and it's an opportunity to to choose from our heart yeah that's right that's right Melissa, you are an absolute superstar. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Addicted to Success podcast. Now, how can the listeners uh, find you? Where are you online? What's your what's your uh, username for Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and everything? How can we reach out to you? Well, you can head over to my website, uh, melissaambrosini.com. I write weekly on there every Thursday and I'm on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come and play with me there. It's just Melissa Ambrosini. And if you want to know where you can get my book, like you can obviously get it on Amazon and all, all good bookstores, um, but you can head to masteringyourmaingirl.com and I've got heaps of free goodies that relate to the book um, and will really help you implement everything that you've learned from the book, um, the 10-week program, the meditations, everything. So that's just masteringyourmaingirl.com. Come on over. Um, there's heaps of free goodies introduce yourself i want to i want to meet you i want to hopefully meet you in person one day i mean meeting people online is awesome but there's nothing like actually physically hugging someone for the first time who Mm. you've connected with online it's pretty awesome yeah and just to clarify so it's funny that you say this because i've i've been uh pulled up on it a couple times out here in the u.s now that i'm out in santa barbara uh the word heaps so you're like you get heaps of free goodies right Heaps for the U.S. listeners means tons or lots of. Yes. <laughs> Just in case you're a bit confused about that one word. <laughs> yes. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's <laughs> loads, loads, a ton, a ton of goodies. <laughs> you know, there's presentations, there's, you know, audios, all sorts of good things that you can download for free. So check them out. There you go. Free, free, free. Awesome. Make sure you head over and uh, and check it all out. Melissa definitely brings the value. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Now, Melissa, I always end the interview with this last question with every guest. And so the question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Oh, my God. Put me on the spot. Yeah. It's all right. Tony Robbins tripped out a bit when I asked him too. He was like, wait a minute. Wait, wait. Let me think about this one. 
Give me a few seconds. <laughs> so don't worry. Yeah. I'll give you time. Yeah. Like your parting advice for the world. The truth of who you are is love. Love is your absolute birthright. And when you live from that place of love, your life will radically flow and be so much more effortless and joyful. You didn't come here to suffer and to play small. You came here to be the best version of yourself, whatever that looks like for you, and to be the most authentic version of you and to share that with the world. And whether that's with your family or on stage to millions of people, it doesn't matter. But what matters is that you are showing up in every moment as the most authentic you and you're giving that to the world, then you are being of full service. You are leaving a beautiful legacy by you simply being your true, beautiful, authentic self.